trip, and I talked about how we've all been blessed by God with time, talent, and treasure. And in that first week of the series, I laid the foundation for exactly what stewardship is and some of the biblical aspects and examples of stewardship in action. Tonight, though, I want to talk specifically. That was kind of the, the, the broad picture, the foundation. And now I said there's time, talent, ministry. Well, I want to specifically talk about that first one because that's why some people chose not to come tonight. You hear the series on, on stewardship, and everybody just assumes they're taking a special offering at church tonight. I'm not coming. They just want my money. That's not the case. We're not taking a special offering. If you have a special offering, we'll put it to good use, but we're not taking a special offering. So I want to talk tonight, though, of the first part, and that is the stewardship of time. Okay? Time is a great equalizer. I'm very passionate about this lesson tonight. We all like to compare how busy we are against one another. Oh, you think you're busy. You ought to see what I did. You think you got a busy weekend coming up. I'll tell you what my weekend looks like. Like, we wear it as a badge of honor, and we're very proud that we're busy people. Nobody comes, nobody really tends to come in and be like, I'm bored to death. Honestly, I don't remember the last time I was bored, okay? I'm sure I did because all kids say, I'm bored, Mom. And so I know I said it at some point, but I don't remember. Like, I never walk into my wife and say, honey, I'm bored because she will have things for me to do. Just like my mom and dad would have had things for me to do, you know? So um, we, will, we will wear our busyness like honor, but people will say things like, well, I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to spend time with my family. I don't have time to eat breakfast in the morning. Yes, you do. How long does it take to eat breakfast? Well, that depends on what you're eating. If you're going to make two omelets with a side of bacon and you're going to have toast, that's going to take a little bit longer than pouring a bowl of raisin bran. Okay? But you have time to eat breakfast. You just chose that the extra 20 minutes of sleep took precedent over the bowl of raisin bran. I don't have time to clean the house. I don't have time to do the wash and ironing. I don't have time to spend time with friends. I don't have time to work in the house. I don't have time to come to church. I don't have time to go to a small group. The truth is we all have time for whatever it is we want to have time for. Can I get an amen? Okay. We all have, guess how many hours in a day you have? Guess how many hours in a day I have? Guess how many hours in the day the person to your right and left have? Guess how many seconds that we have in a minute? How many minutes in an hour? You see, we all have the same thing. Like, it doesn't vary. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, shit, that's not fair. She got 45 minutes to do her project, and I only get 13. Like, no, it's not like that. We all have time. Your sun rises when my sun rises. My sun sets when your sun sets. And so, unless you're online right now, you might be watching from some different place, in which case, strike that from the record. But you might hold a better paying job than me, or the person in front of you or behind you, and that gives you the ability to make different decisions in life. 
when it comes to discretionary spending. You can maybe purchase something that someone else in this room could not purchase. However, we are all equal when it comes to time. Resources, finances, we can do different things, each of us. Time, it's all the same. We have all been blessed by God with the gift of time, and he calls us to be a steward of our time. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I want to be wise, not a fool. And so then he says, we're talking about this. Don't be foolish. Don't be a fool. Be wise. Well, how? Very next verse says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding that what the will of the Lord is. Notice that God commands us to use our time wisely. And part of obeying that command is to understand the day and age in which we live. So in order to use our time wisely, it also involves understanding what is going on around us. I'm not just going to go walk into my job, punch my time clock, and turn and walk out. Like you have to raise up your head and be aware of your surroundings. Maybe you'd call that emotional intelligence in some cases. And so I'm not just going to redeem the time, but I'm going to understand the time in which I live. And so time is not mine. It's not yours. I cannot add more than 24 hours in a day to my life. Believe me, if I could, if I could, I would do it every single day. I could get so much more done. I cannot make the sun stand still. When I was younger, I tried. You know, like you read that story in Joshua and you're like, sun stands still. And then like it still sets. God alone controls time, but he has blessed us with time. He has given me allotted time every day, just like he has you. And I get to determine this blessing of time as a steward of time. I get to determine what am I going to use my time on, but I don't want to just use it. I don't want to just spend it. I want to invest it. There's a difference. And so I'm called to be a steward of this blessing. My time should be used to fulfill God's will in my life. Now, every day, certainly we don't do the same exact things. I hope you don't. People say you're a creature of habit, but I, I, I hope you literally don't do the exact same thing every single day. Certainly, I wash my face and I use that soap and keep it in the same place. But could you imagine, like, well, I have to only wear black socks and only wear black shoes. Maybe I'm convicting someone right now, but, but there's certain things that are the will of God. And he's called us to be, he's called me to be a child of God, a father to my children, a husband to one wife, a pastor, a servant of the king. And so stewardship of time involves four com key components that I want to talk about tonight. And so if you're a note taker, which usually when I look out, there's about three of you that are. And uh, <laughs> for those three people, get ready with your notes. The others of you are going to say, no, I pay attention. I'm going to remember this. And next week, I'm going to say, what were the four P's of the stewardship of time? And you will not remember that. I'm going to promise you that. Number one is planning. Two is preparing. Three is prioritizing, and four is proficiency. We're going to start with number one. Stewardship of time involves planning. In Genesis 41, Pharaoh has two dreams, neither of which 
No one can interpret these two dreams. Well, two years later, Pharaoh's chief butler remembers a man in prison. Oh, wait a second. I was supposed to remember this guy and tell you about him. There's a guy named Joseph. He's in, he interpreted my dream that I'd get my job back, and here I am. And Pharaoh's like, yes, go get him for me. And so he summons Joseph to the, to the, to the palace, and he says, here's my dream. And Joseph listens, and God reveals the dream to Joseph, who in turn explains it to Pharaoh. And his explanation includes a plan to not only survive in a famine that's coming, but to thrive or to prosper in a famine. That's not something that normally people do. You don't, you don't prosper in a famine. You don't thrive in a famine. How in the world do you prosper in a famine? Well, first of all, you listen to the voice of God and follow his leading. Without God revealing this to Joseph, there is no time of prospering in a famine. But even after the revelation, Joseph still had to do something with the revelation. He says, famine's coming, here's the plan. It does not matter if you walk out and say, I have a word of wisdom from God. Here's what's going to happen. But my word of knowledge says, okay, well, what do, I'm gonna, what do I need to do with what's going to happen? Okay, so Joseph is not just saying, this is going to happen. Now he says, now I actually, let me share the plan of what to do with the information you just received. Because God's word is filled. I might not be the greatest preacher in the world, but I give you good information because I'm in the word of God. Now, what you do when you leave this place is up to you. You've received information, but unless you do something with the information you're given, unless I do something with the information I'm given, it's kind of null and void. Too often, we as Christians, and I would say even in Pentecost, just want supernatural things. You know, we want signs, wonders, and I want those too. I want those every service, every prayer meeting, every day of my life. But sometimes we're going, I want to see the lame walk. I want to have the deaf hear and the blind eyes open. And I want to have the word of wisdom and knowledge. I want to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Yes, I love it. That's awesome. But sometimes we want the supernatural things, but we are often unwilling to do anything to prepare and plan for what God reveals. In other words, like, I'll show up, you do the work, and I want to be a conduit and think it's great. I want to be part of the supernatural. And I do. But what about all the preparation? What about all the preparation? See, a lot of times, humanity, people love performance. That's why most of us didn't play college sports. Most of us never, to my knowledge, none of us ever played professional sports. Everybody like has these dreams about when they're kids and they, I'm going to hit the last second shot. But very few people put in the work. And so we have dreams and aspirations of things we want to see God do. But sometimes we are lazy. In other words, I'm just waiting for God to open the door. Just waiting for God to do the miraculous. I'm waiting for God to provide me a job. Did you send out a resume? No. I'm waiting for God to sell my house. Did you list it? No. I'm waiting for God to fill me with his spirit. 
Did you come to the altar? No. I'm waiting for God to wash away my sins. Did you go into the waters of baptism? No. I'm waiting for God to give me the gift to play the keyboard. Have you started taking lessons? No. Do you see? I'm waiting for God to lower this waistline just a little bit. <laughs> Have you started dieting or working on? No. You see, where, where sometimes we're going, I just wonder if God's ever like, why do you always, why don't you do something? You know, because sometimes we're like, I just want the supernatural. But he's going, I gave you my word that's jam-packed with life principles. Not just the Christian waiting around for me to show up and do awesome things. But I gave you a book that has 66 different books of written that doesn't, it just, just doesn't contain history, but it contains, it contains history, theology, it contains everything of every part of life that you can read and say, okay, I'm going to apply these things to my life, to my prayer life, my reading, my study, my life principles, my purity, my, my every part of me. But yet, that's hard. So I'd rather just show up and say, I hope God moves today. You see, don't just wait for God to provide and God to do miracles. He's certainly capable. But we should be using this to work hard, to plan, and to prepare. The only way one can handle a famine after seven years of plenty and then a seven-year famine, that's a long time, okay? The only way you handle that is you better prepare. Better prepare. In sales, Okay. Anyone work sales right now? Wow. Anyone ever work in sales before? There we go. It's funny. They're like, we got out. There's only three of us left. Uh, <laughs> if I sell swimming pools, okay, I have never sold swimming pools. I've never owned a pool outside of a kiddie pool. Okay. I don't know anything about them. But here's what common sense says, and if I'm wrong, you can correct me later. But will I sell more pools in the winter, or will I sell more pools in the summer? And the reason I didn't have a pool is because in Wisconsin, you only get to use it for like three weeks. So anyone who had a pool in Wisconsin was filthy rich, okay? Missouri, you get a little bit more. But it's kind of like hit or miss. Like one day you use it and then it freezes over. And then three days later you use it. <laughs> in Wisconsin, it's just frozen. And oh, wait, it's thawing. And by the time you go to jump in, it freezes back up. <laughs> but if I wanted to survive the winter as a pool salesman, then I need to plan ahead and say, well, summer is doing pretty well. I'm not going to sell as many pools in the wintertime, and so I'm going to prepare and plan ahead. Now, Joseph wasn't selling swimming pools, but when Pharaoh placed him in charge, Joseph began to plan for the future, which he knew it was not always going to be as profitable and productive as the present. You won't always be as healthy and as strong as you are right now. The youth should be upstairs for this message. You better look into some term life insurance. Did he just go there from the pulpit? 
Wednesday nights are principles for life. And so I will give you biblical principles, but sometimes I'll step away and just give you a life principle. You can look at me and say, you're ridiculous, and I don't agree with that. Well, that's fine. Come back next Wednesday, and maybe I'll say something you like. But for you to think, I'm fine, nothing will ever happen to me, nobody ever thinks something's going to happen to them. I mean, typically, I guess there's people out there that live in fear and think, I could die tomorrow. We all could die tomorrow. We all could die tonight. I mean, it happens. And so I want to be a wise steward and say, I'm planning for my future. I, I loved, I went skydiving and I love skydiving. And I would absolutely, I would go tomorrow if my life insurance covered it. My life insurance doesn't cover skydiving. So with a wife and three kids, pastor of a church and responsibilities, I go, I guess I have to retire from skydiving. And so, invest and prepare for your retirement. I'm just going to work till I die. Probably won't. But if you do, you're going to die working. And ensure yourself and your family. Plan, prepare. Yes, God can take care of you. But again, again, God's maybe trying to talk to you right now and flashing lights at me. <laughs> My time is up. God can take care of you, but he's also the one who calls us to plan. I mean, you look at him. Even before he did miracles, he separated in the crowd into 50s and 10, and he, he did things to prepare for miracles. He planned ahead. He didn't just walk up and go, all right, today, let's... Uh, uh, let's just do this. Like, he walked in and seemed like he was a prepared person. Stewardship of time takes planning. And here's one thing somebody told me, and it's, I've never forgotten. I'm probably going to butcher how it goes, but it's something along these lines. But they said it sounded so much better. Live like God's coming back tomorrow. But plan like he isn't. Live like God's coming back tomorrow. But plan... Like he isn't. Sound of the trumpet happens. I want to go. Man, I want to I go meet the Lord. And I'm ready. If he wants to go tonight, tomorrow, that's fine. But if he chooses not to, and someday I'm laying in a coffin here, and somebody's preaching my funeral, hopefully saying one or two nice things about me, I pray that I've made wise choices that have set my family up for the future. So, second thing, stewardship of time involves preparing. Planning might feel a lot like preparing. Like, didn't you just cover that? But let me explain the difference. Joseph's plan was to stockpile food in store cities. To better serve in the time of famine, he had to prepare in the time of plenty. As his plan was implemented, he gathered so much grain that it seemed like the sand of the sea. After a while, he actually stopped keeping records because the amount was immeasurable. Could you imagine your bank account just got so large? It's just, I, don't, I, I can't even count anymore. It's got, it's got so much in there, I can't even keep track. If you have that problem, see me after church because we're going to change our floor plan. Genesis 41, 49 says he piled up huge amounts of grain 
like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. He took the present to lay aside excess for the hard times. He utilized time by preparing for the future rather than just focusing on the present. You have a plan, but until you prepare. You have a plan, but until you prepare, the plan is just a dream on paper. We better do something about the plan and begin to prepare for it. My plan is one day when I get done with school, I'm going to do this, this, and this. All right. What are you doing to prepare for that plan? Well, I'm going to be this person in this business. Okay, that probably is going to require a degree. Have we enrolled for college? Have we filed for financial aid? Have we been saving this whole time? You see, so it's prepare. It's not just the plan. It's the preparation of the plan. God has given you and I a gift of time. And we must be good stewards with it. That's why sometimes people who are not wise stewards of time, they look at people like, man, I wish I was blessed like him. I wish I was lucky like her. And they don't know that that person has been using their time wisely for decades. And that has helped them get to where they are. Another example. <laughs> We're just having fun, right? The car you drive today. Go ahead, insert the argument of Chevy versus Ford. But the truth of the matter is, I don't care if it's Chevy or Ford. Neither of them are going to run forever. Now, you might have people here that say, yes, they will. No, they won't. <laughs> Eventually, there's a lifespan on every vehicle. Great, you hit 500,000 miles. Wonderful. Wonder what the body looks like, but great. <laughs> keep going. If anybody could keep a car running, it's probably Noah, so I, I know that, like. But there's a lifespan on every vehicle. Honda, Infiniti, Mercedes, BMW, Ford, Chevy, Kia. All of it, okay? It all has Dodge, Chrysler. It all has a lifespan that eventually will end. So guess what? If I'm planning and preparing, it's very difficult. It's very, very hard to pay yourself a car payment. Because you're like, I could take this money right now. And we could go here, buy that, do that. And so something comes up, and we have good intentions. And then two months down the road, something comes up, and be, we don't, where are we going to take it from? Well, that fund has a couple thousand. Let's just grab it from there. We'll just put it back in later. And then when the car breaks down, and we fix it, and then it breaks down again, and it gets bigger, and then we need a new one. We say, how much do we have in the car fund? 712 bucks. 712 bucks. What are we going to get with that? Well, right now, maybe a rim. <laughs> and three tanks of gas. You could get the gas for the car. 
said, no, if I have not been preparing and planning in my car when it's time for a new one, I have to go and call a bunch of banks and start to beg them to borrow me money. In which case, one of them will say, yeah, that's fine. But this month, when I give you $100, you're going to give me $125 in return. And I say, okay. You see what I'm saying here? That planning and preparing, we, we want to be stewards, not just of resources, but of time of every part of our lives. With Joseph, the seven years of plenty eventually ended, and the famine began spreading to all the lands. But because of Joseph's planning and preparing, not just one or the other, there was plenty of food. In Genesis 41, 54 says, Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. At a time where literally everyone else was struggling, one nation had plenty. And the only way outside of hearing from God, of course, but the way that we have plenty, even when others might be struggling, is planning and preparation. When stewarding your time, prepare so that you will know you have all the resources to meet the demands of your time. I grew up where some of my friends would be in school, and they would always be trying to cram. You know, when somebody comes and you go, oh, man, I forgot my assignment. You're like, oh, that stinks. I'm sorry. Somebody says, I never got my project done. I got to get it done tonight because it's due tomorrow. And you're like, oh, that stinks. But when that same person has now said that to you like 11 or 12 times, you start going, you might need to do something differently. In college, you're handed a syllabus, and in that syllabus, it lists out dates for an entire semester. So in January, I'm receiving a syllabus that's telling me what I'm submitting in May. It's amazing how many people get to May, and they're like, I need three espressos, double shots. I, I got to stay awake. I have things due in two days. You're like, man, your teacher's terrible. They just literally threw that on you? Yeah, on January 13th. <laughs> so why didn't you? Because I need to be a steward of my time. So I'm getting a syllabus. I'm going to go, okay, hey, I got to begin to prepare. We read about the, the foolish virgins. I done spent all my oil. We had fun. Well, God comes. Well, hang on a minute here. I got to go find something because I'm out. Doesn't sound like good planning. Doesn't sound like good preparation to me. So you could say, well, I don't know if you're preaching the word. You're preaching personal opinions tonight. I disagree because the principles of planning and preparing are through the entire Bible. And so we as a people who are reflections of Jesus Christ should be going, and now is, I'm not, a rough time's going to hit, there's things we're un, un, you know, that are unplanned, of course, absolutely, it's going to happen to me and all of us, and it has happened to me, I can tell you stories, but I want to do my best to go, okay, God, I want to be a wise steward, I want to plan, I want to prepare, and a wise steward of time in college would say, okay, I know that I have to read 
500 pages in this semester. So I want to take two days off a week. I, have, I want to take vacations off. I don't want to be studying on Memorial Day. I don't, so I'm going to look, and I probably did a lot of things wrong. This is one thing I think I did right, and I would count up all my days and start off in the beginning and know that in order to hit this subject and hit my goals, I had 67 days or whatever, and you know, I'm just pulling something out, and I divided my 500 pages by 67 days and knew that I had to read that many pages every day. Why? Because I didn't want to cram. I hate cramming. I hate, I hear preachers sometimes talk about Saturday night specials for messages. That will never, unless God changes my message, there will never be a time that I'm preparing a message on Saturday night. Like, I hate it. It stresses me out. I don't want to live in stress. As I prepare to buy Christmas gifts, I'm going to prepare. Again, it's like the car when we need something. Well, what's in that fund? That's our Christmas gifts. It's only June. Let me have some of that. And Christmas rolls around, and we're shocked. Dave Ramsey makes a joke. What? When do they move Christmas? It's been on December 25th forever. <laughs> okay? But then it rolls up, and we're like, we got to go Christmas shopping. We got no money for Christmas shopping. When did this happen? It's been happening. Just so you know, it's May. Christmas is coming. <laughs> December 25th. It's coming. And so I don't want to just go. <laughs> I need money. Give me the visa. We're going Christmas shopping. And then visa goes, absolutely have fun. But instead of the thousand you spent, you need to pay me two thousand. Not really, but third, I gotta keep going. I told you I'm passionate about this. I gotta keep moving. I'm running out of time. Third, stewardship of time involves prioritizing, not just planning, not just preparing, but prioritizing. Because I can plan and I can prepare and I can get to this point and go, all right, here we go. Guess what? Church tomorrow. Listen to what I want to do tomorrow. I want to pray. I want to read the Bible. I'm going to sleep in late. Thursdays are usually my day. I want to sleep in. But I also want to work out at the gym. I want to work for the church too, but it's my day off, so I don't know. I want to read a good book. I want to make a nice meal for my family. I want to clean the house. Stop. <laughs> I want to move into my new house. I want to do the wash and ironing. I want to do some landscaping work. I want to take my wife out on a date. I want to play with my kids. I want to go play basketball with some guys from the church. I want to teach a Bible study. And I want to check up on some of those people who are at the church that I think are struggling. Guess what? Remember how I said we only all get 24 hours in a day? I won't be able to do all of that tomorrow. Now, I can try to and drive myself and everyone around me nuts and not do any of it well because I'll run and I'll say, Jackie, oh, here's your date. Okay, I got to get off to the next place. And, and I can call you and say, hey, I noticed you were in church on Sunday. You doing all right? You are? Okay, good. Now, boom, next person. Okay, uh, 
I won't, in order to do some things, well, I have to prioritize things in my life. Most people don't do that. Instead, they're like, I'm too busy to do any of this. So then they go to Facebook and complain to others about how much they have to do and watch and see what they're doing with their lives. But instead, I can make a date night in advance. There's that planning and preparing again. I can schedule my three workouts at a gym for a week. I can discipline myself to wake up early and pray. With Joseph, the people of Egypt and neighboring nations, when they all cried to Pharaoh, he sent them to Joseph. Joseph had planned and prepared, but now it was time to prioritize how he was going to use those resources. You do not have unlimited time, and you probably don't have unlimited resources, so you have to prioritize every single day. I have to prioritize where I put my resources. I have to prioritize where I put my time. Joseph was governor of the land, and it was his responsibility to decide how the food would be sold. Who would receive what food? How much would they receive it? When would they receive it? When stewarding your time, prioritize the best usage of your resources. God will bless you if you prioritize his things rather than your things. My dad and mom believed in education. My dad never graduated high school. And so he was like, I want to raise my kids to where they are educated. And they pushed my sister and I to go to college. And because of that, I give honor to them. We both have master's degrees. We both have two bachelor's degrees. And, and my dad didn't even graduate high school. So I, I honor him today. Um, but I remember him always saying this. Don't ever, ever skip church to study. That's the way my dad raised me. He said, if you keep God first, he will always take care of the rest. Now, I understood the context of that. That did not mean I'm like, yeah, no studying. I'm just going to show up and say, Jesus, please bless this test. I didn't read anything. I didn't go to class. And I did not study a lick. But God bless this. Bless this test. No, no, no. I've always said that I want to be able to say, God, I have done everything humanly in my power to prepare myself. But the rest is up to you. So I would do my best, and I would divide my pages and knew what I needed to read and do all those things. But he always said, when you study and pray beforehand, he says, God, help my mind to be like a sponge as I just would absorb the information. I still will pray that prayer. And I believe God hears my prayer, and he allows me sometimes to, to receive things, even if I went to study for a test. A lot of times we pray for the, kind of like for the performance. If I'm going to sing a special, I pray for the special. If I'm going to preach a message, I pray for the message. But I pray for the preparation as much as the performance. And so for me, when I would go to study, I would pray over my mind as I was about to study because, honestly, I didn't want to be studying for four hours. Like, I'm like, God, you created this brain. I'm going to study. But you could help me where I would only have to study one hour instead of these other guys I'm hearing about studying four hours. So I'd prefer to skip that, still study, but have you help me. And it's amazing because he would. Prioritize, plan, prepare. But when you prioritize, don't put your stuff here and his stuff down here. Fourth and lastly, the stewardship of time involves proficiency. 
Once you have implemented your plan, check it for proficiency. The question is not so much, is it working? The question is, is it working proficiently? Is it working well? Joseph had amassed vast quantities of food over seven years of plenty. Still, he knew better than to exhaust those resources during the first year of the famine. Hey, come on, I can't even count it no more. Line up, get your food here. How much you want? Just take it. It's fine. He did not do that. And sometimes on payday, you get paid once a month. June 1st, come on down. We're going to have some fun. We loaded. And June 13th, you're like, how are we going to make it through the month? That's not funny because I know it's a real thing, but... We have to plan, prepare, and prioritize. And then measure things for proficiency. If we go, well, we've been trying this budget thing for the last six months, and every month we run out of money. Well, it might not be a proficient budget. I might need to rework it a little bit. And so he knew this was this this is why a lot of professional athletes wind up broke. You get a 19-year-old kid. And, and many athletes, not all of them, many athletes, they don't, they've, they've come maybe from, from, from an upbringing where they didn't have a lot. Some do, some don't. And when they, all of a sudden, a 19-year-old kid signs a contract, gets handed three, four, five, eight million dollars. And they're like, I'm rich. And they are. And they're like, it's going to last forever. And it won't. Because now that they've been given more, the level of spending is higher. And it's crazy how many athletes that were multimillionaires retire poor. They often fail to live by these principles that I'm talking about. So as I bring this around to a close, Joseph had to measure how much was being sold each year to ensure the goods given to him were being used properly to support the world through seven years of famine. When stewarding your time, verify that you are doing the, what is the most proficient use of your time. If you were to do an audit of yourself and say, where do we spend our money? You know why a lot of people don't do budgets? Because I just don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. Don't tell me I spent $47 at Starbucks. I'd rather close my eyes and pretend it doesn't exist. I'll have a white chocolate mocha, double shot. <laughs> I can't even make fun of it because I don't drink coffee, so I don't even know. I just hear other people order it because it doesn't sound as cool as the things I order. <laughs> Caramel apple cider. Stop. I also get vanilla bean frappuccinos <laughs> and passion dragon fruit lemonades. I don't know why my wife says I have taste buds of a five-year-old. <laughs> when stewarding your time, you have to make sure that you're looking at the most proficient use of your time. For example, when having family time, this is what's tough, because when we want to do all those things, the list is long. 
and I'm guilty of this. Goodness, I wish I could stand here as the expert of the speaking today. Um, but sometimes we try to do multiple things at one time. We got family time. I'm just replying to an email. And so we're not doing anything well. Because when we're praying, we're also like doing this. And when we're watching this, when we're, when we're reading, you know, we're also trying to keep an eye on this. And, and so like multiple things are happening. Or like I said, you sit down for family time and everybody in the family has electronic devices at the dinner table. It's not good stewardship of time. We have to, we have to change that. And so we cannot stop time to allow us to accomplish more. I've said it several times. We're in the process of moving. I wish I could stop time. Moving is terrible. Okay? Like in hell. My list grows, by the way. There's going to be glitter. You're going to have to pick staples out of walls. And you're going to have to move every three months. <laughs> and the devil's going to be going, welcome to hell. <laughs> but we can't stop time to accomplish more. But I can redeem it. I can use it wisely. I don't want to spend my time doing things. I want to invest my time doing things. At the end, what will live on after you're gone? That is what we should prioritize. Okay? If I'm trying to paint some cabinets, that's not, it might live on when I'm gone, but somebody else is just going to come paint them a different color. Oh, I'm putting in carpet. Yep. Carpet, five years from now, it'll be something different. Even this job that I'm, I'm working so hard for, yeah, it might go on. But they might throw you a going away party, a retirement party. They're going to, I'm going to miss you. So they're going to hire somebody else, and you're gone. What lives on forever? The marriage that eternal walk with Jesus Christ, the disciples that you make, the lives that you influence, the children that you are raising. And when they feel prioritized and loved by us, they don't, that love doesn't just live on forever, but the way they love impacts multiple generations. So like our impact is so much greater. And so, would you stand to your feet? Because no doubt that I've said something tonight that maybe made you laugh. I've said something tonight that maybe just ticked you off. Um, but I've probably already said, I probably also said something that maybe you felt, you felt a little convicted about too. Let's go with that one so you're not mad at me all night. I think it'd be wise just as we find a place to pray here before we leave tonight and to just be like, God, I, 
I want to be a wise steward. There's no doubt in my mind that every person in here, every person watching online, you want to be a wise steward. There's nobody here that's like, thanks for verifying that I waste my time. I'm proud of it. Most of us are like, goodness, I don't, I want to be wise. Well, audit yourself. Take a look at your time. Dare to go into the Apple iPhone settings and look at the screen time report. Chances are social media is toward the top. And look how many hours are on social media right before you complain about not having time to do some of these other things. We all have 60 minutes in an hour. We all have 24 hours in a day. Go change the world. Go make disciples. Be a good husband. Be a good wife. Be a good parent. Be a good aunt or uncle, cousin, sibling. Be a good employee. But just know, God, you've called me to be a steward. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of the other things in the weeks coming up. But tonight, I'm just, I'm just looking at my time, just looking at my schedule, my calendar. God, do you feel prioritized in the current way that I'm living my life? Oh, certainly, I'm accomplishing things. I'm getting titles. I'm moving up the ladder. I'm making money. I'm making friends. I'm traveling. I'm doing all these things. Okay, but Lord... Do you feel prioritized with my current schedule? And you're the only one that can pray that. And I'm the only one that can pray that about me. And I think that's a good place to go into an altar call tonight. And just ask him. So I invite you to find a place to pray and have your own personal conversation with Jesus Christ about your own personal schedule and calendar.